What's gonna happen when we all can finally be with each other again? We're all vaccinated, we've achieved herd immunity, and we've taken off our masks and we're touching each other and we're, it's just gonna be like, I mean, the paroxysms of like joy and grief and pleasure, it's just, it's like, again, the body, what are our bodies are going to do with all of that stuff? Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. My name is Piercarlo Talenti, and I'm the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership, whose mission is to advance leaders for the greater good. In this episode, we're hearing from performer, choreographer, and writer Okwi Okpokwasili. Okwi creates multidisciplinary works that center the stories and experiences of those overlooked by history, in particular Black women and girls in America and in Nigeria, from where her own parents actually emigrated. She has performed on stages all over the world, and her performance work has been commissioned by such varied cultural institutions as the Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis, Dance Space Project in New York City, and the 10th Annual Berlin Biennale. She's received some of this country's most prestigious cultural accolades, including the Doris Duke Award and an Alpert Award. And in 2018, she earned a genius grant from the MacArthur Foundation, which cited her ability to, quote, mesmerize audiences with her shape-shifting character play, sinuous grace, and rich hypnotic voice, unquote. Okwe spoke to us from her home in Brooklyn a few days after the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. As the country was undergoing a seismic shift, I asked her what changes in the arts or in dance she'd like to see occur in the near future. I mean, I think in the near future, I would just like to see these art spaces, uh, dance spaces, performance spaces. A lot of the work I do is interdisciplinary, right? Um, uh, I'd like to see these places given more support. I'd like to see these spaces given more support from cities and states in recognition of um, how these spaces support and I think um, nourish communities. I think that a lot of these spaces are having, have been having conversations that the general public is now having. They have been dealing and thinking about how um, to make their spaces more welcome, how to, how do we invite people that might not necessarily think that they, they have a place here? How do we reach out? How do we build um, richer and deeper conversations? How do we build longer relationships with the community that's here and with communities that we haven't, um, that, that we haven't accessed? I think particularly in New York, in downtown New York, in some of the institutions that I have worked with, you know, they're thinking, okay, we're in Manhattan. How are we reaching out and connecting to organizations, dancers in the Bronx, in, you know, in Queens? How are we making space for folks who are disabled, deaf? How are we making spaces? Um, how are we thinking about the fact that we are unoccupied indigenous land? I think that a lot of the spaces that I have been in have been already doing a lot of what I think the nation is recognizing needs to be done to whether it's to atone, to account for past harms and grievances. And I think it's in art spaces, these cultural spaces, um, they've been doing that work and there's a lot to learn from them. And so how do we support them, sustain them, particularly now that they're suffering because of the pandemic, you know, and recognize that um, they, are, they are the leaders in things like 
in nourishing and healing and um, building healthy communities. I wonder, can you describe, you said some of the spaces you work with already doing that, being more welcoming. Can you describe, give me some examples of that? Well, I think there are places like Dance Space Project, and they um, have typically uh, occupied a space in St. Mark's Church. The one thing that's particularly interesting or I think notable about Dance Space Project is that the, uh, uh, the chief curator, um, executive director, has been doing something called a platform series, which is a series uh, of that, that is an exhibition that unfolds over the course of, say, you know, five to six weeks. And they collaborate, they co-curate with an artist. And the artist, um, they ask the artist to, or working with the artist, they investigate a particular question or inquiry that the artist is interested in engaging, right? And I think that there have been several really incredible inquiries, um, one of which was Lost and Found, where folks were thinking about who are some of the artists that we lost to the AIDS crisis? What was the work they were doing then? Can you imagine the work that they may have been doing now? And they brought in artists to in some way sometimes re-inhabit the work and to sometimes reimagine work. There, there was a, a, a particular platform around kind of the history of the church, um, the history of the church in performance, um, particularly in New York, and that's when they did the excavation of the various um, enslaved people who built the church. And so I think there are things that are happening like that that are pretty innovative, right? An institution that suggests, okay, that we're not just going to, we're not, it's not just about our, uh, some kind of decision that we make unilaterally to, to give you resources, but how um, are we working with artists to even think about how the resources should be allocated? How should you know, what are some of the, um, what are some of the pressing questions and concerns in the community that we need to investigate? Let me ask you a, a looking back question. How did the events of 2020 most affect your professional life? Well, I mean, it changed everything in that it stopped everything for, a, you know, kind of everything stopped. I had been um, building a practice around um, creating a kind of improvisational chorus for the with the public right along with artists a group of you know a select group of artists who would practice sort of creating sonic structures um, like almost containers for improvisation while doing a slow walk in an enclosed space and um, we would build this sonic web this fabric around a question of how you know what do you carry and how in turn does that carry you but what it required was engaging with strangers in close proximity singing out, screaming out, shouting out with each other in another enclosed space, being very close. And so we were actually, uh, we had been doing that practice and that stopped. And there was a sense of, you know, I feel like a lot of what I do is about proximity, is about um, engaging strangers closely, uncomfortably, but, you know, really trying to sort of traverse that, terrain right between skin like be in that that space that ex that exchange space so all of that stopped but what was interesting was that obviously with the pandemic and we all had to retreat to our corners in order to actually protect each other right so actually we were on we're in a pandemic that suggested that the things that i had been really concerned about um, and thought were necessary for a kind of res restorative space of like mutuality um would actually can actually kill you I don't know. I guess in a way it's having to retreat like that, having to go back, um, having to separate from each other did 
does make it very clear how much that space is necessary to our survival, right? We need each other. We need that exchange space. We need to be next to each other. We need to, we need to link arms, mingle breath. So it changed. What it did is it, it left me feeling quite bereft uh, for a while. And yes, I've had to retreat and try to see if I can make things outside of the live space, right? I'm really trying to explore what is the digital space? What is the, what's the visual? Um, what, what's the power of the visual and the virtual? How do I have to think, rethink my ideas around practice, my concern about practice um, and, and kind of rejigger it to really think so much more about the end result and the product? Um, it was also complicated, but, but the missing of that, the breath intermingling and, and, and the porous space the charged space between our porousness, our mutual porousness, is um, that that missing continues. What did you learn about your own practice when you were forced to go, as you said, into your own corner? I mean, I just learned that it's so, my practice is so deeply kind of connected to other people. Were you able to create digital remote projects? Yeah, we did. We did. Yes, yes. But I think that, again, it's sort of like, instead of working with people, I had to think about the air, I had to go to the roof, I had to go to the fire escape, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Have an exchange, you know, with sky, you know, dance to traffic, you know, what's that kind of, you know, that that space has opened up for me again. I mean, I, I spent some time many years ago in Japan, and I was at something called the Body Weather Farm. Min Tanaka and his company many, many years ago started something. They started a farm um, outside of Tokyo where people would farm, but they would also dance. And, and you would be, you would dance in streams, you would climb trees, you would uh, employ some of the positions that the body was in to dig out potatoes in some of the dance, right? Like it was just a way of just really sort of um, being in relationship to the world around you, right? Like feeling the weight of things, right? How, I mean, for me, I was feeling like how I was held up by, you know, how I could, how the, the earth was holding me or um, what part of a tree, if I, you know, I leaned against a tree, what what parts of me, like maybe my my trunk against the tree trunk, you know, is secure, but but then my, my head can go wild or my my hands are, like smoke floating away from that trunk. Um, anyway, so I think in this the age of the pandemic, I've had to kind of sort of reinvestigate all of the other things that support me. And sometimes maybe it's the weight of the banister. But um, what would you tell a, um, let's say a performing artist who was working or collaborating in an institution that was a little bit more calcified, the dance space, that wasn't quite approaching the world in a way you envision progressive institutions doing how would you tell them to try to encourage change in such an institution such a good it's such a good question because i i honestly am not sure that i know you know so you, so, so then you've just happened you've always found very welcoming and open yes, space I think, I think so i think calcified institutions were never never supported me <laughs> congratulations <laughs> I guess I have always kind of worked in some way, mostly with institutions that are kind of, you know, constantly critiquing how their institution is working or their institutions that were started and led by artists, you know, say in the 60s or 70s, right? Like they weren't necessarily 
and institutions that weren't there for the perpetuation of the institution, right? But but to keep making a space for art practice. I mean, movement research, for instance, yes, something that was started by artists and it doesn't even produce, right? It's only interested in process and making space for process and thinking. So I think those are a lot of those movements are the ones that I engage with. But what would I tell an what would I tell an artist who is like who 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 might be of my ilk or my kin um, who was working in a calcified institution? You know, it would be hard for for me to know. Even though I think in this moment it might be easier for those artists to have deeper in conversations with these institutions because these institutions are they're rethinking as they're getting pushback about a lack of representation, a lack of diversity, um, particularly in the administrative space. Is there a project you're especially excited for uh, working on in 2021? I actually um, am revisiting a project. It's um, a 50-minute long song that I made that is a reference to uh, the 1929 women's war in southeastern Nigeria, where uh, women were protesting uh, colonial uh, practices that uh, they felt were a kind of existential threat to their ways of life. And they, in fact, were. I mean, colon- colonialism is was and is an existential threat to cultures. Anyway, so I, I made this 50-minute uh, long song, which is a kind of practice in duration, thinking about their the, these, the grievance of these women, but also trying to open up a portal that perhaps I can reach these women. So it's also a kind of extension of my grief around a kind of this disconnection and sort of maybe my inability to, to, to access these women. So that space, so I've been working on that. And I'm, I'm going to be performing it actually in, at the New Museum in February as part of a show called Grief and Grievance. Posthumously, uh, it's curated posthumously by uh, my namesake, Okwian Wezor, an incredible uh, curator who passed away a couple of years ago who was also in his practices of curation is trying to, was really sort of undoing um, this idea of Europe as kind of, and, and, and the West as central to sort of art making and creation. Like he really just started to kind of reshape how we were looking and thinking about art practice, art making, particularly contemporary art. I mean, he was really building a platform to sort of deeply interrogate and view uh, contemporary art from the Americas, from Africa, Asia. So, and also, we've been working a lot on music and sound. And is we is we your your collaborator, my your collaborator, husband? my husband? And yes, yes, he has. You know, together we've been making lots of songs and sounds. And um, there's a, the longing part, the longing for other bodies comes comes in. What can come in with a vengeance in ways that are it's unexpected. Like I had, I saw somebody I hadn't seen in a while in person and we held each other and it's just like that kind of thing is so like what's going to happen when we all can finally be with each other again we're all vaccinated we've achieved herd immunity and we've taken off our masks and we're touching each other and we're it's just going to be like i mean the paroxysms of like joy and grief and pleasure it's just it's like again the body what are our bodies are going to do with all of that stuff you know it's going to be really, and I guess maybe my performance is kind of about, it's always trying to s- suggest that, I mean, it's obvious now, but our bodies are filled with stuff. What happens when we access it? What happens when we make the space to access it, right? Like I think when we think about all of the Black folk who have been 
oppressed or violated by police who have been used um, their bodies as, you know, who are constantly seen as monstrous, as violent, right? And so the state acts that way to them. And like, I mean, and, and, and I feel like you're not just talking about what happens in your lifetime, but the, all of the lifetimes before you that have been sort of holding on to that experience of violence, that memory of violence. It's always, for me, it's always like, how do we open up and access that? But it's true, I still don't always know what to do with it. Man, I love the way she talks about using her body and her work to access, you know, uh, generations and eras of trauma and and uh, making it an, an open, accessible experience for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as we interview all these artists, Pierre Carlo, when we talk to dancers, there's such a connection. Obviously, I would garner because of their dancers, such a connection to their body and to somatics and to the multiple levels and mm-hmm. layers at which they connect through their art form. And she reinforced that for us in the way she engages the world and talked about her work. Um, I was really struck at the end, and it came up a few times through the conversation about um, the importance of access um, and increasing mm-hmm. access, uh, both in how art spaces make themselves available to a diverse and growing population of artists, right? But also makes me think kind of about the fit of of the access, right? Where's the right place for you? Where's the uh, where do you in- inform or grow space. I'm curious your thoughts about that. Yeah, it makes me think she's not only found the right artists to collaborate with, but she's found the right institutions to collaborate with. Mm. And it makes me think, I think a lot of young artists, especially uh, long to be recognized by, you know, the most august institutions uh, to get that kind of imprimatur, you know, and often they're just the wrong fit. They're the wrong institutions for these people to play with. Right. I, I just love that. Uh, Oakley kind of almost celebrates the fact that they those institutions never sought her out. She found the right fit, the right institutional collaborators that understood her work and would celebrate it without any constraints. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting tension as you know we explore how artists would reinvent their systems, and she clearly kind of saw both sides of this, of wanting to push for increasing support from spaces for various artists, but mm-hmm. also recognizing what's the right home for me. Well, we were lucky to have some time to spend with her because she's a busy lady as she's preparing for uh, her performance at New Museum. And, you know, in the coming year, it'll be amazing to witness the energy she releases into the world as, she, as soon as she can start working with fellow artists again. Right. It's going to be fun to watch. If you admire an artist who's changing the status quo in their field and in the community, please let us know. You can always find Pierre Carlo on Twitter at PC Talenti, or you can leave us a message on Facebook at Creative Catalyst. Special thanks to Muriel Eliseo. Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti. And I'm Rob Kramer. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>